Hello and welcome to the midweek. I'm here with pastors Sam and Daniel, and we're here to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Daniel, you preached a great sermon on Sunday. My favorite. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, and one of mine too. And so just we were really thankful for that. Now, you talked a lot about the greatness of Jesus compared to John. Mm-hmm. One, one phrase you weren't able to drill into extensively is when John says about Jesus that he comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is a uh, conversation that many in the church and in the world are having today. What does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And so we just want to take a few moments together to talk about what does that mean? Yeah. Now, where we're going to go with that is you're going to start with the story, just sharing your own personal experience with mm-hmm. with this concept. Um, after you, you answer the question, why does it matter? You're going to answer, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Then share a story about your personal experience with it. Um, then we're going to go to Sam, and Sam's going to share um, a the, the Pentecostal position on where they're coming from when they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to bring this all back around, and we're going to finish up by talking about the Reformed Charismatic position, our position on what exactly the baptism of the Holy Spirit means. Yeah. And then also just how it relates with this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are they the yeah. same thing or are they different? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So let's start with you, Daniel. Um, why does this discussion about the baptism of the Holy Spirit even matter? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know about you, but I have had this conversation a lot in my life. Um, I know that a year ago, a year ago, you guys did a, a midweek podcast on baptism in the Holy Spirit, and Sam, I think you shared a similar uh, experience. That's and, right. and uh, so, and even in our circles right now, there's uh, there's a growing movement of Pentecostalism uh, reaching into almost every area of the church. And I, the word Pentecostalism is is one that will. Sam will touch on more, but or charismania, <laughs> or crazy ma- crazymatics, they would call me sometimes. Yeah, but but this this is a actually the, the the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one that has brought div- a lot of division in the church mm. over the last century. Um, it came out of the holiness movement, which my parents were saved into the holiness movement, and. Uh, John Wesley taught us the, about this second grace, and, and, and it was focused mainly on sanctification, this this entire sanctification piece. But then, then in 1901, there was this revival from the, the Azusa Street revival. Uh, I think it's uh, Seymour, Seymour William Seymour. Yeah, William Seymour, hmm. uh, and they had this revival where all of a sudden the gifts, which were very much kind of like a, a taboo thing, speaking in tongues in, in the church in that time. It became a, a very prevalent, up in front, center matter, and and all the, everyone started talking about the gifts and why they matter. So then you get this massive movement throughout the world, and now Pentecostalism is the fastest growing movement in the world uh, in, in Christianity. Yeah, and, uh, Ma- and mainly in not in the West. Yeah, mainly in the global, in the global South. Global yeah. South. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's it's touched us here, and it and it's a big part of my life. So I I was in the the holiness movement. My my parents uh, started moving more towards like a, a Nazarene, and then a vineyard expression of Christianity. Vineyard is is more charismatic, more open to the gifts. Uh, John Limber uh, saw a lot of miracles in his ministry, and um, 
And then I, I actually ended up at an Assemblies of God church. So I was kind of, it was like this progression where I was moving further and further towards a Pentecostal view. And I, I didn't understand the gifts. I hadn't, I didn't grow up in the Pentecostal church and that wasn't the focus. It was more on holiness than, than on like tongues and, and the gifts of the spirit. So it wasn't until I was like 19 and I was reading the Bible, I was really hungry for more of God that I came to see that there's all these gifts and some of my friends talk about speaking in tongues and, and others don't. And I just, I want more. I want more of God. So I went mm. went to some friends who, who were more mature than me in the faith uh, and they said, hey, this this is uh, called the baptism of the Spirit. And and we wanna we wanna pray over that you over you right now that you receive it. And I said, yeah, whatever. I, I just want more mm-hmm. uh, more of God. And so they laid their hands on me, prayed for me, invited me to just begin to pray and and try to basically try to speak in tongues, try to open up your mouth and mm-hmm. and go. And and they were talking about those two things, speaking in tongues and walking in those gifts and the baptism in the Spirit as synonymous. And so that. I kind of entered into right there. I had a, had an experience with the Lord. I, I would love to share. That's a whole other experience that I, or story that I'd like to share at some point. But um, that started me on a journey of trying to explore, like, what what is the relationship of the baptism of the Spirit to the gifts, and and to even and even just to my wanting more of the Holy Spirit. Um, long story short, I I kind of took this path of really seeking the gifts and believing for a while that I was baptized in the spirit on that day. Then coming around to the place where I begin to see, I don't actually think that was the baptism of the spirit. I think that I had the spirit before and that the baptism in scripture is talking about regeneration, the mm-hmm. spirit that we all receive at our regeneration. And that what happened was God was giving me an additional filling because I was asking him for more. And then I started to even swing over to more of a cessationist view where I was like, I don't think that Pentecostals are helpful at all. I think they're really hurting and hindering people by throwing out this kind of two-tier Christianity idea where like, unless you have the spirit, like the spirit baptism, you're not all that powerful of a Christian. And so I was like, I don't really like that. I don't want to teach people that. And so I moved pretty hard away from uh, Assemblies of God, though I stayed in that church for a little while. I was really questioning if it was if it was a healthy uh, expression of what the scriptures taught, and and so here I am today, and I I believe that uh, that God has so much for his his people by means of receiving greater fillings of the Spirit, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I have also landed, and I think in agreement with with other pastors here that that the baptism of the Spirit is is not focused on um, a second uh, filling after conversion uh, or a second baptism after after conversion, but is is focused on, uh, it's referring to, to regeneration and what every Christian experiences. Mm. Um, so that's, that's just a, a really small story. It's kind of a long journey and there's a lot more I'd love to talk with you. If, you, if you're seeking the gifts and trying to understand more about the Holy Spirit and what, what you're seeing all through Acts, people that are, that are converted and then they're receiving the Spirit and speaking in tongues. That's something we, we're trying to explore right now. So we, wanna, we would love to talk with you more if you have questions out of this podcast. But that's kind of my experience with baptism of the Spirit. Great. Thank you. That's very helpful. Yeah. Um, now, the, the charismatic Pentecostal position 
isn't completely crazy if you take a close look at scripture. Yeah. That's right. There, there's... I love how you framed it like that. <laughs> With the assumption it would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sam, this is a position you have held. I've held, yeah. For most of my Christian life, I held this position. Great. Would yeah. you be able to walk us through kind of yeah. where someone from that perspective is coming from, yeah. just from the scriptures? And I would just say a basic reading through scripture, you could walk away with this if you're not reading carefully. And if you haven't read through Acts and the whole Bible a number of times, just a straight, just a read. And if you just go to these texts, it makes a lot of sense just by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more and more I've read through the scriptures, the more and more I see it how it works together that I can't hold this position anymore. But let me give you my best shot of a position and try to convince you of this position. Now, um, because of the brevity of this conver- uh, of this podcast, I'm not going to give the best presentation, but I'm going to try to give a really good one um, and probably maybe even more persuasive than the average Pentecostal who's just been taught this when they haven't read through it carefully. Now, to clarify, first of all, no Pentecostal who, who knows anything will say that Christians don't have the spirit. They would all say the Christians have the spirit. But the way they would distinguish, they would say something like, you have, and I'm going to just speak as if this is my position, holy, okay? You have the spirit, every Christian has a spirit, but when you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like you're saturated Mm -hmm. by the spirit. There's a, there's a overwhelming, um, consuming fireness. You're on fire, you know, with the spirit. You know, that's why in John the Baptist said the Holy Spirit, um, Jesus will come, uh, baptism, Holy Spirit and fire. So it's like consumes you, right? It's not just in you. It's, it's filling and it's overabundantly saturating you and coming out of you. So with that said, um, how do you, how do you, how do I get there? Well, I get there because when you look at John 20, 22, it's it's kind of a controversial passage, but Jesus breathes on the, on the disciples and it says, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some people take this as they receive the Holy Spirit right then or receive it later. But what you can at minimum say is that they were Christians. They, they were at some level believers and trusting in Jesus at that level. Um, and, and then so, so they have the spirit at some level. And then after Jesus um, is, is resurrected, he says to them, go and tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. You shall be baptized in, in many days, in about 10 days, actually. Um, and in Acts 1.8, we see this power. Um, he says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Mm-hmm. And so the understanding is they already have the Spirit, and yet he's, he's promising right. this greater measure power of the Holy Spirit. So not just just the Holy Spirit to be in them, to seal them as Christians, but actually uniquely tied to more power. Mm -hmm. So they wait for 10 days. And then in Acts chapter two, we have Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost, which is a a Jewish festival going on. And at that same time, um, they are filled with the Holy Spirit as the text says, and begin to speak in other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. And this is another reason why we often see tongues aligned with a Holy Spirit baptism, because in scripture, we see this tied together in many cases. Now, not only in Acts chapter 2 you see this, but also if you take, flip a couple of pages to Acts chapter 8. See, the, the, let me show you Acts, 14, Acts 8, 14, um, 14 through 17. The people of Samaria were actually Christians and they believed the good news from Philip. Yeah. And yet, they only later, if you look at the text, received the Holy Spirit when the when Peter and John came from Jerusalem. And so here's a very distinct example of people who are already Christians. They believed, right? Faith comes by hearing. Um, They have faith and they believe in the good news. And yet only later on, they receive something, this, the Holy Spirit. 
Another example of this is in Acts chapter 19, when Paul came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. Disciples? Disciples of of, of who? I mean, obviously, probably Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And and they don't know of the Holy Spirit. And he lay hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And it came, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Mm-hmm. And so when you look together this example that the, the disciples were Christians, according to John 20 and just all the surrounding evidence, you look at Acts chapter 2, 8, sometimes 10, and also 19, you can see this clear pattern of two stages of people who already believe in Jesus, and yet people lay hands on them, pray with them, and they receive a greater filling of the Spirit. Uh, a baptism of the Holy Spirit would be the language we would use. And so, therefore, the application and implication for all of us is we should want the same thing. Why Why should the disciples have something that we cannot have? And it wasn't just the, whole, the 12 apostles. It was many Christians all throughout Acts. Um, if they are going to receive more power with this baptism of the Holy Spirit, why not us? Too. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would argue that we not should shouldn't only understand this, but we should seek this baptism of the Holy Spirit for more power mm-hmm. for the sake of God's mission. So that was the position I held for over a decade, probably, and I tried to, and I convinced many people with that same argument, and I prayed and laid hands on a number of people, um, maybe over a dozen, to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they experienced some sort of encounter with God, evidence connected to um, speaking in tongues and fire they felt, warmth and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so that's what I held for years. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Now, Daniel, is there <laughs> is there any problems with that that you see? Well, you? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm curious to hear. Yeah. What what was the turning point for you? Yeah. I it was in biblical first. Okay. It was experiential. Okay. And what it was yeah. is I found a lot of people who were filled with the Holy Spirit or, or quote unquote baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and it was just, there was clearly a two tier thinking. Yeah. I even heard this in very, very close people to me. They would even be like, Oh, is that church spirit filled that you visited? Yep, you know, exactly. are they, are they the baptized? I remember this one guy asking about a friend. He said, Hey, is he spirit filled? I'm like, uh, and I thought, Oh yeah, I think you know what he's saying. Yes. And he's like, glory to God. You know, like, Oh, you get it now. Right. I, I would, so we had, I had this framework. There's two kinds of Christians out there and I was on the, I was on the good side. Mm-hmm. I was one of the spirit filled speaking in tongues kind of Christians. And yet I saw a lot of people who were like me, who experienced a lot of power and anointing, quote unquote anointing, if using that term, um, in their ministry in life. And yet I saw a lot of people who didn't, who had that experience. I even experienced them do it. They prayed in tongues and they had this baptism of the Holy Spirit um, experience. And yet they lacked power in fighting sin. They lacked power in their, lacked power in their preaching, in their daily life. Mm-hmm. I knew people who were close to me who abused their spouse and yet they've spoken tongues every day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's some disconnect here. And then on the, sub, on, on the other hand, I would meet some people who ha- did, rejected this expression and yet they were walking in great power in preaching, mm-hmm. great power in ministry. Mm-hmm. God was using them mightily, and they were holier than me and killing sin better than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that just experience kind of jolted my worldview. Mm-hmm. And then after I went to Bible college and after I got maybe six more reads through the whole Bible, I started to see some things that I was like, ah, maybe that's what it is. And then when I did a, a deep study into Ephesians, that's what shifted my mindset. We had to Greek diagram all of Ephesians and then Bible arc all of Ephesians and translate all of Ephesians from Greek and then memorize 
Ephesians. <clears throat> and in doing that, Acts, Ephesians 4 actually changed Ephesians four five changed my mind. Sure. Ephesians 5? Yeah. Like, do not be drunk with wine, but, yeah. but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that kind yeah. of shifted my mind. And then yeah. also reading more Acts and seeing the differences of the of the different experience of being filled with Spirit, how they're uniquely different, and there's good reason behind them, yeah. and how they're not always associated with praying in tongues. Yeah. That, that all, yeah. Yeah, that's a significant point right there. Like, a lot of Pentecostals are going to say, like, if you're filled with the Spirit, it's going to be evidenced with you speaking in tongues Hmm. and so that i agree that was for me like one of the the hardest things is like Hmm. i see people around me that are christians that are not praying in tongues but they're obviously filled with the spirit and and like what you just described in the way that they live the way that they Mm -hmm. minister to others the goal is more of jesus more power for for gospel living Mm -hmm. and and if uh if we're going to talk about ourselves as being filled with the Spirit but not living like Jesus, uh, something is is severely off. Oh. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the answering what, what Ross asked. Like, I think for me also the the wrestle was over these texts and acts that seem to describe this, uh, yeah, this this second event that's happening. So first, let's let's look at Acts two. Um, were the disciples first saved, you know, when Jesus, they, they had obviously been following Jesus, they were converted, and then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Did they, did they have the, the Holy Spirit and then received at Pentecost a unique filling, a, a second filling? So I would argue, no. Uh, the reason we, we see uh them receiving a, a second baptism, even though they had uh, received the Spirit in that in that moment, is because of the place that they were in history. This is this is the uh, this is the come between uh, or the go between it, whatever the phrase is, mm-hmm. of of the old covenant and the new covenant. Mm-hmm. The disciples had received a measure of the Spirit; they had been with Jesus, who had the fullness of the Spirit. But what Jesus prophesied and what Peter preached about. Uh, in, in Acts 2, after Pentecost, is that this moment was the fulfillment of Joel 2, where, where God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. This was a new covenant reality, where those who were in Christ, now we're going to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to be united together in one Spirit. And so that's why you read in passages, read from Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians, where he says uh, things like, you were all baptized into one spirit. Mm. You were all baptized into one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Not two spirits or two, right, two baptisms. Exactly. So, so I think what's happening here is this moment in history, this moment of Pentecost, is God's people now being united to Christ and to one another in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the sense that we would, uh, yeah, where we are, we are completely united to Christ. So I believe that at conversion, this, this is exactly what happens to every single believer. Mm-hmm. Every believer then receives that promise, which was given in Joel 2 and fulfilled there, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to prophesy, that we would be able to 
dream dreams and, and know God in an intimate way. Mm-hmm. We, we would be, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit and we get to have access to his presence. Um, what, what else should be said, brothers, about Acts 2? Well, I want to just add something quick to what you said. So in your sermon, you made a really great point that when Jesus comes and baptizes with fire, that that's talking about an internal cleansing and transformation and change right. that outward water can't affect. That's right. Yes. This is the inward miracle that water points to. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing at Pentecost is Jesus fulfilling that description of himself mm-hmm. where everyone who is a part of this new covenant family has this internal cleansing and washing and renewal. Yes. That wasn't the case in the Old Testament. Yeah. There was only some people who had changed hearts while the majority of the people didn't have changed hearts. Right. At Pentecost, we see Christ coming and on, upon everyone who calls on his name. Mm-hmm. There's a reality of an inward cleansing and inward baptism and inward right. renewal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's distinct from the old covenant. That's right. So when we're talking about what does Christ do in baptizing the Holy Spirit, well, he gives everyone new hearts yeah. in the new covenant, mm-hmm. yep. which wasn't a reality before the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, you see the Holy Spirit synonymous or consistently in the Old Testament empowering certain leaders, um, certain people in order to do certain acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new covenant promise is that they'll all have that. Yes. And that's the beauty. Mm-hmm. It's not just a few. It's all. Which begs a question then. We should be talking about Acts 8 um, and then 19 also. But it begs a question is, if that's the case, why are so Christian, so many Christians seemingly pow- living powerless lives? Yeah. Because there is a heightened sense of, of passion and boldness that I have experientially um, seen in mm-hmm. my life and also others um, in its consistent. It's not a small sample. It's a very large sample size. Of, of like power and, and, and passion and boldness with those who have this baptism Holy Spirit. Yeah. What is that about? Because that seems compelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we touch on that right at the end? Yeah, let's I, do I'd it. Okay. To, I'd love to Can get, you mark that down? We got to get to yeah, that. We'll, want, we'll get there. I want to touch on eight Good. and 19 and then go there for the, for the last part. Finale. Yeah. So how do we then understand Acts 8 and 19 where it seems like the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit comes upon people who had already believed. And Acts 2 has already happened. So Pentecost has already happened. Yeah. So clearly it can't be that, right? So yeah. right. Philip Philip goes out, we're told. He preaches the gospel in Samaria and, and many believe his message. Mm-hmm. So that it seems like they're converted. They're converted to Christ. They're believing. But then we're told that they don't receive the Holy Spirit until... The apostles come. Yep. So Peter and John, maybe maybe Peter, James, and John, they, mm-hmm. they come, they lay their hands on them, and all of a sudden they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 8.15, by the way. In the same way, yeah. it seems that the apostles received and all the disciples who were praying in the, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Uh, so so what what's going on there? I, I believe that what's happening right here is, again, not an example or a pattern to follow, where we need to pray for a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that this is an example of God's new covenant spirit baptism going not just to Jerusalem, but out into Samaria, Judea, into the ends of the earth. It's mm. it's proving which is what Acts one eight which, predicts it, is going to happen. Yes, exactly. Jesus said, "You are going to be my witnesses to, to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth." Right. Uh, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. 
And what do we see in Acts 8? Some would argue Acts 10 and in 19. These are, it seems like mm-hmm. there's a progression of God's spirit mm-hmm. being dumped on people that would have been questionable in the minds of the Jews. Yeah. Would, yeah. Are they a part of our cov- of God's covenant people? It's good. In the past, they had to convert to Judaism. They had to follow Moses' law. They had to do everything that a, that a Jew would, would do. But now Paul is able to say, whether you're Greek or, uh, or Gentile, whatever it is, you are baptized into the one spirit. Mm. And so this is proof to the apostles. When they lay hands on them, yeah. they receive the spirit in the same way that we did. Because they were, they were divided on that. Some right. of them were like, oh, you know, like they're, they're, they kind of had the second tier mentality too. Yes. Right. Yep. It's God's promises for the Gentiles too. Yes. This, the same was going to happen in, in, uh, Acts 10, uh, where Cornelius and his family was going to receive, uh, yep. the, the baptism of the spirit where Peter's then going to come back and report. That's right. If God, if they receive the spirit in the same way that, that, that we did, that's right. how can we resist them being a part of this covenant community? That's sure. good. How can we yep. say that they're any different than us? Um, th- this was monumental in the history of the church. Yeah. We need to understand the significance. We're living in the new covenant reality we have for 2000 mm. years. So we don't think about the fact that there's this crazy transition from old covenant, mm-hmm. uh, theocentric sort of experience, uh, in where everyone had to come to Jerusalem to worship mm-hmm. at the temple to now this is God's spirit spreading to every people on right. earth. The mm-hmm. temple is no longer central in Jerusalem, but now is in those who are in Christ, right, who right. is the new temple. So this is just God's way of establishing his new covenant in a way that shows that there's no ethnic preference in this covenant. That's mm-hmm. right. It's good. That's right. So, so it could be almost said that Acts 2 is the Jerusalem and Judea, Judean um, Pentecost. Yes. Acts 8 would be the Samaritan Pentecost. Yep. And then Acts 19 would be the Gentile um, to the Pentecost, end of the, end of the, end of the earth, because it's in Ephesus in, in Greece. Yeah, mm. and so just right because yeah. in Acts eight it would have been half Jews, half Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. The, the mixed, the kind mixed of, crowd. Yeah, and then finally we have full Gentiles in and, Acts nineteen. And, 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 and in both cases, people were like, "Whoa, them too!" Right? Like, mm-hmm. no way. You know, I thought, yeah, they're still dirty. They still had those uh, prejudices, those biases against them. And in each of the, these experiences. There, there's an instruction of what the Holy Spirit is. That even if there was some understanding of who Jesus or is, who the Holy Spirit is, you mean? Yes, who the Holy Spirit is. And <laughs> got him, got him. <laughs> we all do it. Uh, Sorry, Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> who the Holy Spirit is. They, they didn't, they didn't understand how Christ related to the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was was now going to indwell them. And they were going to be become united to the to the church in Christ Jesus by the Spirit. <laughs> All these prepositions, uh, but I think we should move on to that question you asked, Sam. Yeah. Uh, what what uh, what about filling? Filling with the Spirit. Yeah. How does that differ differ from that's baptism? Right. Oh, that's good. Oh, right before you say that, I would even say. For, for those who hold this Pentecostal position, historic Pentecostal position, if Acts 8 and Acts 19 were just normal Jews in the same area, I may I may still hold that position. Yeah, that's good. But but there's this the context is so important, brothers and sisters, yeah. that you see the unique geographical and ethnic differences in Acts eight and nineteen. 
that show the transition. That's what's to me is very compelling. Yeah, that's good. All right, can you, can we answer this in two minutes? <laughs> um, so, filling your question is the experience of somebody who's receiving a spirit baptism. Yeah, the experience of a lot of Pentecostals, maybe even some that you know. Yeah, it seems like they're more fiery believers, yeah, and more yeah. powerful believers than some of our reformed brothers and sisters or cessationist yeah. yeah. brothers and sisters. I've experienced this totally. And so, what is what is going on here? Um, I believe that many Christians do not live in the fullness of what God would want them to live in. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of it has to do with ignorance mm-hmm. of, of what the Spirit's role is. I think some of the reason Pentecostals have, are powerful is because they, they simply are teaching all the time. We depend on the Holy Spirit. That's right. He That's right. is our power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if they've got their theology wrong, they've got a lot of their practice right because they're living in the power of the Spirit That's on right. a daily basis. Right. I see this in my dad and in my brother who, yeah. st- who would probably still hold to a Pentecostal. Are they going to listen to this? <laughs> I don't you know. You just send it to I've, them. I've, argued, I've argued this with them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, the, issue is, the issue is when we're ignorant to the things of the Spirit and, and the power that He provides to every Christian, mm. we're like... We're like a people who lives off the the grid. That's right. We're not tapping into the the power that God has given to every disciple to live like Jesus lived in holiness, in uh, powerful witness and ministry, and even in in our ability to heal and to to do these things in the name of Jesus. Uh, So so I would suggest uh, that we, we follow... If we follow the Bible, which is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We do not believe here as pastors yeah. that we need a second baptism. We're not going to come and lay hands on you for a, for a second baptism. But we do believe that there are additional fillings available for every single Christian. Right. Yeah. And we would say day by day, not just this one event where yeah. you all of a sudden get the Holy Spirit and have him for the rest of your life yeah. in a new way. Yeah. But I need to be filled by the Holy Spirit today. All the and time. I want to seek that today. And just That's to right. clarify, the text, Ephesians 5.18, we're, it's, it's be filled with the Spirit. And if you look at, understand the Greek there, it's a continuous react, reality. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's not a one-time. Be filled one time. Ongoing progressive action. All the time. Yeah. And, and I would say this. Grudem does a great job in um, his systematic theology talking about one of the reasons why this would be the case with power and passion is that in typically when you – experience anyone lead someone through a baptism of the Holy Spirit kind of ceremony or process, usually part of it is confess every sin, get right with God. Yeah. And be absolutely open to anything God has for you. Yeah. If you have that if you do that all the time, I guarantee you're gonna have more power, boldness, passion right. and anointing in your mm-hmm. life and, and more of the activity of the Holy Spirit, the Romans twelve and the first Corinthians um, twelve through fourteen kind of spiritual gifts. If you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you confess all your sins, repent and turn from them, surrender to Jesus fully and ask God to fill you and get all the junk out of your life and ask him to fill them instead, guarantee you're going to have more of that power. Yeah. So we want to do that all the time. One, right. one of the sisters in our, our in our missional community recently asked, like, why do we, we already have the spirit. Why do we keep mm-hmm. saying all the time in our prayers, come Holy Spirit, yeah. give me more of your spirit. That's good. She's yeah. like, How, <laughs> isn't God God and yeah. isn't the spirit yeah. just in us? I love uh, Wayne Grudem's uh, analogy. I, he, he described the spirit as being in us sort of like a balloon That's that right. can be expanded expanded right. or... More filled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and, and so the spirit, the air is in the balloon. It's yeah. there. A but balloon it, is there. <laughs> but it can get bigger or it can get smaller. How does it get bigger? Mm. Hunger. Yeah. Thirst for God. Yeah. Like seeking his spirit in the word. Yeah. Waiting at his, at his feet. Praying for more. How does it get smaller? Right. By quenching the spirit. Yeah. By uh, resisting what he's calling you to do. Right. Resisting him saying, give up this area of sin in your yeah, life. Right. Give up this idol. So what do we do? We don't get drunk with wine, but we're filled with the spirit. That's mm-hmm. just an example of yeah. living in the flesh versus living in the spirit. Right. It's like choosing to choosing to live how you want to live in the world's pleasure right. versus living how the spirit would call us to live right. to become more like him. Don't don't be under the influence of you know substances or the world, yes. but rather verse 18 be filled or be controlled or be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And the more you yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit, the more you'll have of the Spirit. So, so I want to suggest, this would be my, my final, final word here. Uh, we're out of time. We don't have to agree with, Pentecost, with this Pentecostal view of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to still love the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. to treasure the gifts of the Spirit, and to eagerly desire mm-hmm. their activity in our lives and in the lives of our church. That's right. We as what we what some call reformed charismatics, we believe that the gifts are in operation and we are seeking them in our church. We yeah. want to see them operating. Uh, and we believe that this is going to come through continual submission to God yeah. on a daily basis, asking for God to come in a greater way in our life and to have his way in us. So if you want more of the spirit, ask him daily, give me more of you. <laughs> take whatever is is in me that's hindering yeah. you from coming and, and having more impact in my life and, and empowering me for more impact in others' lives. Amen. He will certainly follow through. That is what we want for every single one of our people, that we would be filled with the Spirit daily. That's right. Awesome. I think that's a great place to end. All right. Thanks for tuning in.